This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Hey farmers, do you want to save on seed? You can save now with the DeKalb Instant Discount. Book your DeKalb seed by December 15th and save $25 a bag on canola, $25 a bag on corn, and $1 a unit on soybeans. Talk to your local retailer or visit decalbrewards.ca for full program details. DeKalb, with you every step of the way. Always read and follow seed stewardship requirements and pesticide label directions. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. I'm Stephanie Crowley, the editorial director and your host for this episode. Joining me today is Robin Davidson, joining me from Alberta. Robin, welcome to Inputs. It's been a while since we've chatted. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, happy to have you here. So we're going to talk about one of my favorite crops, I would say my favorite crop groups. And one of my favorite things to talk about is pulse crops. I just think they're so fascinating. Um, and I always love chatting with you about pulses. So, uh, before we get into that, I'd like to, uh, have you introduce yourself to our listeners for those who don't know you, although many, many in the industry do, um, and just tell us a little bit about your role and your background in the egg industry. Sure, sure. Well, my name is Robin Davidson, um, and I currently work for Lakeland College. Prior to that, people may have known me as Robin Bonus. I worked with the uh, Alberta Agriculture, Department of Agriculture for, for many, many years. So I made the transition over to Lakeland about a year and a half ago. I've been involved in agriculture for a very long time um, as a summer student, and I'm working in the industry in a number of different crops for, for I don't know, probably 25 years. I tell everybody how old I am. And, uh, but for about the past, you know, 15 years or so, I've been focused pretty much on pulse crops. So, um, yeah, work in the industry and just try to try to support the producers who are trying to grow those crops. So. Awesome. So tell us about your role at Lakeland college. What are you working on right now? What is your, uh, involvement in the college and, and your, and your job there? Well, I made the transition to Lakeland and it was, a. Uh, it was a, an agreement kind of between the department and Lakeland where we would just transition the whole entire program, Stephanie. We would transfer it over um, pretty much intact as it was. And then with the joining of Lakeland, I've been able to expand it a little bit more. So it's it's very much applied research program where we're trying a number of different things, um, focusing on a number of different areas just to su- support the producers that are trying to grow pulse cr- crops across the prairies. So the program is based um, mainly um, in Lacombe, and I've, I've been able to maintain the sites in Edmonton, and then able to expand over into the Vermilion kind of Lord Minister area, where uh, what Lakeland College is. So focused on a number of different areas, I kind of divide the program into kind of three main areas. The first one would kind of be the breeding and the varieties piece of it. So. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of trials um, where we're testing different varieties across the prairies. We have breeding institutions from all over North America and all over Europe that are trying to register um, varieties in in Alberta and across the prairies. So we're focused on bringing those varieties into. And of course, my focus is mainly within Alberta. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's applied research targeting the Alberta producers. But a lot of this information can, of course, be used in Saskatchewan and maybe in Manitoba as well, although their climate is a little bit different and their crop choices are a little bit different. So 
So yeah, so breeding um, new varieties, bringing them in, part of, uh, of that program is the regional variety trials where we put those most registered, most recently registered varieties in the backyards of the producers all across the province so they can see how they grow. And just mm -hmm. making sure that we always have the strongest genetics, best varieties, and the most adaptable cultivars and varieties for our producers so they can target success. Another area of the program is focused on the agronomic part of it. So what can we do agronomically? Um, so we're looking at everything, mostly crop input related. So inoculants, herbicides, pesticides, um, seeding dates, seeding timing, desiccation, you know, the big, the, the whole gamut of agronomics yeah. that you can apply to your crops that you can get the most benefit out of those new varieties that we just brought to you. So there's kind of that piece. And then the other piece will be the surveillance monitoring and disease piece of it, Stephanie, where there's always challenges, disease challenges popping up, um, depending on the year, those mm -hmm. challenges will change a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if we don't keep on top of our, of our diseases, our pests, our issues, monitoring those, identifying new diseases and, and new pests as they show up in, in uh, Alberta, and making sure that we're following up with that and keeping ahead if we can. And then when those um, pests become an issue, we have some mitigation strategies and some things that we can do. So, so it's a big program where we're looking at a lot of different things. Um, and we're always kind of looking over the fence too, to see what new possible crop types we can bring in. So we've worked with a number of different crop types over the years to see, hey, can we grow that in Alberta? Well, yeah. Let's try. So, yeah. Yeah. Big program, lots of, lots of different areas we're going in. So. Awesome. Lots of moving parts. And it's always interesting to hear all of the different pieces because there might be little things in each part of the program that you'll look at and say like, oh, this is really cool to share. Like we're ready to talk about this and then, you know, maybe table something for a little bit and bring it back after. So awesome. Always great to hear what's happening in Alberta. And uh, you did mention doing regional variety trials. And I know, um, I think you were involved in some summer variety trials as well. Is there anything that kind of came out of those that you're able to share just kind of exciting developments or, or findings that uh, you can share with producers? Well, the regional variety trials don't usually... <laughs> Warrant anything exciting, Stephanie. Um, <laughs> I, I can say that every single year, um, it doesn't matter which pulse crop we're talking about, we're we're making advancements. Sometimes right. the advancements are a little bit slower. Yep. Um, with PLP, of course, sustainability is one of the areas that mm -hmm. um, producers are quite interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, can you just make these these things stand better? So that's <laughs> when I say, hey, you know, we got baba beans and baba beans stand well, but of course, yeah. baba beans don't fit everywhere. So. Sure. Um, I would say that probably one of the, the best things that comes out of those regional variety trials is just, again, that local agronomic information mm -hmm. where farmers can look at the varieties and they can say, hey, that one looks good or that mm -hmm. one stood a little bit better in this area because what grows in Port Vermilion is not going to grow so well necessarily down in Lethbridge. And then again, maybe it will. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we we have such a diverse area of soil climatic zones in, in this area. So yeah. Um, Nothing exciting, like you said, but there's a, that it, it always starts conversation with producers because you get a lot of calls. What variety should right. I be growing? What, what variety is good? What's the best variety? And I chuckle because the best variety depends on what you're looking for, right? right. So it though they're very important to initiate those conversations. Well, what should I grow? I'll mm -hmm. say, okay, well let's let's talk about the varieties that did really well in your area. Here's a new variety, tried mm -hmm. and tested. Here's one that just came out 
doesn't really have any history, good or bad. Let's mm-hmm. just wait, see for another year. But mm-hmm. it's a good way to make sure that the producers are keeping on top of their genetics too. Right. Um, I had a producer yesterday that wanted to grow a variety that's now like 15, 20 years old. And I'm like, you know what? We got better than that. Here's some data. And here's yeah. what you can look at. So it's it's a great conversation um, starter. And it's it, it supports them to be more successful, for sure, when they have that's, the best varieties. That's excellent. It's nice to be able to see it kind of, as you say, in your own zone, in your area of like, okay, this is tried and true. This is, this is likely to maybe work in your backyard. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, here you might be taking a chance on something else that didn't, that wasn't tested in your, in your region. So it's just nice to, I'm sure for farmers to be able to have that knowledge and research to lean on. So. Yeah. And when it comes to best management practices in general, and we talk about some of the diseases that we're facing or, or pests or things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the best things you can do is get a variety most suited to your area. Mm-hmm. If you have a variety that you know is going to have success right off the bat, you're already a few steps ahead of that disease, potentially, depending yeah. on what mother nature throws at you, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. So speaking of diseases and, and challenges, uh, were there any specific challenges in terms of, you know, disease pressure or you know, even insect pests or anything like that, that pulse prop producers in Alberta specifically that you kind of chatted with if they, that they experienced this year, anything that has moved its way up your radar to say like, oh, this is, this is tricky. Yeah, um, I would say probably one of the biggest issues that we are facing kind of year after year is the the root rot disease of phanomyces. Mm-hmm. It's it's one that we, we sort of talk a lot about. Now, in 2021, last year, it was a conversation that we didn't really have because in a drought, you don't necessarily see... Right. Um, you know, see those diseases show up Yeah. with the amount of rain that we had in June um, in central Alberta, for sure, and up in northern Alberta. And then, um, you know, even down in southern Alberta, we had a lot of rain in June. And so that really kicked that disease mm-hmm. into, you know, into action. So unfortunately, these things seem to be, you know, like whether whether we're talking about a disease or an insect or or a weed issue that's showing up, it's it's so um, specific to geographical areas, right? So it, it's hard to talk about Alberta as a whole, but I would say in general, um, the phone calls that I yielded this year were mostly for aphanomyces. Something we have in common across all the geographical areas is aphanomyces. So mm-hmm. that's what we talked about most this year. Um, in some areas where there was a lot of moisture, we saw some, you know, some bacterial, leaf bacterial issues coming um, kind of showing up, uh, but they don't usually lead to to a lot of issues. Ascochyta is another one that we talk a lot about, but with it being so hot and dry throughout most of the province in July and August, mm-hmm. we just didn't really see that disease mm-hmm. really make any huge advancements. So I would say this year, nothing major that came out of us, you know, came out left field, just the typical issues that we deal with every year. And because it was so dry, we probably saw less. We didn't mm-hmm. see as many insects showing up um, because they were maybe not not coming up here where it was so hot because I don't like it hot either. Yeah. And, um, the diseases kind of were a bit more at bay. So it just depended on where you were and where the rain clouds were is where we had some issues. So. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've spoken to other research scientists and even some producers in Manitoba, and obviously things were much different in that area yes. this year, um, even in parts yeah. of Saskatchewan too. So it is truly so regional. It's just, it's nice to, uh, you know, 
have little things that have popped up on the radar and saying like, oh, okay, this, this was surprising. But if 2022 was a year that we didn't have any, you know, disease surprises for pulses, we'll take it. So no surprises, no surprises, but definitely Manitoba. That's a completely different conversation. Totally. For sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Robin, the last time, I think it was one of the last times I spoke to you last fall, we did an interview for our, our Top Crop Summit event. And um, we just chatted about, you know, pulse crop agronomy, some general practices, numbers about, you know, different crops that are being grown in the prairies over the last few years and how they've grown. And one of the things that you really um, mentioned as kind of an up and comer was lupin. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about lupin um, and any information you have, what makes it one to watch. Do you have any growth predictions on it or, or uh, thoughts on on what we might be seeing for lupin crops in the in the coming few years. Lupin was a crop that kind of came onto the radar 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was something that like I said, we're always trying to look over the fence and see what might be coming down the pipe. And this is one that had a lot of excitement building behind it um, at the time. Mm-hmm. So we started looking at it, but unfortunately, um, we were unable to get to the end of that whole process as in the marketing piece of it. We were able to grow the crop. We were able to learn a few things about it, but we weren't really able to do a whole lot with it. Of course, if, if the producers can't market it and, they, and they're not successful with that crop on their farms, it, it goes nowhere fast. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. so in the past few years, I would say because of this protein highway, that we've been traveling on, consumers are really asking for more plant-based protein. And I'm sure that listeners out there have heard about this, this highway that we're, um, that we're riding on right now, which is very mm-hmm. exciting for the pulse industry. It but is. uh, lupin is very high in protein. It, it starts where faba beans end off. So we're looking at protein levels as high as 40%. Wow. So that got, uh, that got some fractionation companies and the industry and some ingredient companies really excited about Mm -hmm. potentially capitalizing on that. So we basically just took that crop and we're breaking it right down to its bare roots. We're looking at, you know, very simple stuff Mm -hmm. like seeding rate. Let's get Mm -hmm. the seeding rates right. We're dealing with two different types of lupins, white and blue. Mm -hmm. So they're, they, those crops will differ. So the potential is definitely there. Um, And we're, I would say we're still at the research stage. For the most part, we have some some contract producers at a very low um, amount of acreage where we're just kind of trying them in commercial areas to see how they do. Mm-hmm. 2021 was quite unsuccessful for Lupin. We had a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. 2022 has definitely been better. So I would say that crop is is got some promise. Um, right. We're starting to nail down some of the disease issues that were showing up. Herbicide application is a big um, conversation when we talk about lupins. And so we're starting to get a bit more of an idea where we can go with our herbicides. Because mm-hmm. of course, if you can't, if you can't give the farmers um, the ability to control their weeds and be successful, then it's not, again, not going to go anywhere. So, no, no. so I, I, I talk about lupin with a little bit of caution though, Stephanie, because we still have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of phone calls. Can we grow this? Can we get some seed? And it's like, uh, please let us play with it a little bit longer yeah. and um, see if we can nail down some of this stuff. Like I said, we were kind of back to the drawing board in 2022, kind of back to learning things, mm-hmm. but we're learning stuff. We've seen some potential. We have some producers that have, you know, had some small contract a- acreage that have been happy and successful. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely potential for this crop, but we also came across some challenges, right? When you start growing something on a larger scale, you're like, oh, that's something we didn't see coming. Yeah. So, so yeah, 
So we're excited, cautiously excited. Yeah. The industry's excited. The producers are excited. I think it's kind of one of those things where you just got to pull the reins back a little bit. And um, hopefully there's a lot of potential. I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. hoping we have, mm -hmm. we have trials all across the province and all across the prairies, even in Ontario, okay. trying to get a, but even in PEI too, um, mm -hmm. to get a handle on where this crop might fit. So mm -hmm. we're excited, cautiously excited yeah. sounds like it and yeah. well slow and steady right we can't rush anything to to make it work especially as you alluded to before with your applied research and and regional trials that you're working on like that's the really important stuff we have to make sure that we get a handle on like you say those basics of seeding rate and available herbicide options and and how are we going to be successful otherwise so yeah what pests are going to show up that we didn't yeah. foresee what diseases yeah. are going to show up that we're not you know things like that so yeah. what we don't want is the farmers and the producers and in, in you know on the prairies to grow this and be unsuccessful mm -hmm. um get a bad taste in their mouth and then that's the end they're like nope right. tried those it was bad not doing it again. Yeah. And when you're trying to launch a new crop, you, you don't, you don't want that bad taste in, in producers or researchers or any industry yeah. in general. So absolutely, we're moving forward um, and we're excited. Higher yields and healthier soil. It's the ultimate return. Grow smarter with Solios Zinc. Realize your yield potential and correct zinc deficiency while improving soil health with the Solios Sustainable Crop Nutrition System. To learn more, Visit solios.com. That's S O I L E O S.com. Now, are there any other, you know, up and coming pulse crops or anything else kind of on your radar that, that you're looking at? Uh, not at the moment, not at the moment. Um, I think we have, you know, over the past number of years, we've looked at, at different crops in different areas. We've looked at red lentils and where maybe we can put them in Alberta. We've put a big push on faba beans mm -hmm. um, in the past as well, seeing where if we can get some of, you know, some acreage and just some faba beans. But again, the markets mm -hmm. are a little bit halted right now yep. for that. So yeah. Um, we soybeans was an exciting one that we talked about for a while. Yeah. I think we have to put that one on the back burner for Alberta anyway. Um, there's definitely parts of Saskatchewan where there's been success. And I think Manitoba is showing some more success in soybeans. Mm -hmm. But within Alberta, I think we need to just put it on the back burner for a bit. Again, there hasn't been a lot of producer success or mm -hmm. it hasn't been consistent success. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So we're just kind of, like I said, they're not gone. They're just kind of on the back burner. So yeah. as far as anything else, not really, not really. I think the focus is on lupin right now because of the, the high, high protein. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. going back to that protein highway that you mentioned, you know, there's, there's a lot of chatter and a lot of, you know, current affairs that really make producers and, um, and, and industry, frankly, talk about the opportunities that pulse crops but could bring um, for yeah. for farmers and and um, and consumers alike so you know as producers who are listening are looking to make their decisions for next year what's your big push for pulse crops why should somebody consider adding a pulse crop into their rotation if they're not already doing it why are we you know what's so great about them let's really pump them up here well, I used to uh, used to have this conversation where I was trying to promote pulses, promote pulses, promote pulses. I think that job has become a lot easier for me for so many reasons. Um, yeah. We have, I don't know, my, I can go in two different directions here, Stephanie. I'll go in one direction first, I guess. Okay. Let's just talk about the benefits of pulse crops in general. Right. And the benefits 
it's a very long list. It's mm-hmm. a very long list of things, mm-hmm. you know, like we talk about diseases um, within the pulse crops, but what about the diseases in some of the other crops too? We yeah. have diseases, you know, the club root and the canola, the fusarium, some of the issues, the disease issues that we see. So introducing a pulse crop will, of course, break that disease cycle kind of right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, pulses are water use efficient. So you grow a pulse crop and you tend to have more water left for, you know, and in a drought year that becomes extremely important but there's just so many things um overall the healthier soils um just diversifying our farming our farming methods reducing our 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 carbon footprint um that'll come back in a minute um and and profitability too like decreasing our inputs in general um the cost of fertilizer right now especially nitrogen is a little high farmers are a little concerned um, and I just love to point out that, you know what, you don't need to add nitrogen to pulses. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a, a plug that I make. So yeah. just so many, so many reasons to start diversifying some of our crops on our farms um, for like, again, for healthier soils, for sustainability, mm-hmm. for, you know, water use efficiency, like all those things that I mentioned mm-hmm. and, you know, and profitability. Um, I think Pulses may have been a little bit of a hard sell in the past for for profit, as far as you know. Canola is one that, for the most part, has saved farms and is the big money maker on the farms. Mm-hmm. Not this year, not in our area, yeah. and not across Alberta in general. Yeah. Um, farmers in in this area were getting you know seventy five bushels per acre apiece, and they're selling them anywhere from thirteen to fifteen dollars a bushel. Do the math on that and consider your input costs. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not a great year for canola. Canola mm-hmm. yields are are down this year because of the weather across the province. Yield monitors and the combines are quite disappointing right now as, mm-hmm. as farmers are taking the canola off. We're seeing 30s below or 40s, even at $20 canola. Mm-hmm. Considering the input costs for canola, that are going up. Yeah. <laughs> Seed costs are going up 20%. Fertilizer yeah. just went up a considerable amount. So you start doing the math on that and there's money to be made in pulses. Now that's mm-hmm. not going to happen every year, of but course. this year farmers made way more money on their pulses than they did in their canola mm-hmm. easily. There, mm-hmm. there, there's no denying that. So mm-hmm. um, I think the profitability has, has been a question mark, but I think this year absolutely nails it down that, you know, the, uh, the field peas specifically is what I'm thinking just did very, very well this mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. canola just didn't. Um, the cereals did well too. They, you know, they did well. If you avoided the hail, I think hail was a big <laughs> thing that, that affected that. So, so, so many reasons to grow pulses. I, I could go on and on. I, I probably should stop, but, and of course <laughs> the other thing that the other direction I'm going to kind of go here, Stephanie, is this, this whole political landscape that we're trying to navigate right now. I'm climate change, climate change, climate change is anything as all the politicians can talk about right now. Yeah. And the fertilizer emission issues, farmers are quite upset about mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, we're going to have to somehow reduce our emissions. And for some farmers, that means literally reducing their yields. And that's, yeah. that's a huge controversial um, topic that we're trying to get to the bottom of, um, you know, caption, capturing our carbon, um, increasing our sustainability, being more diverse, um, trying to let the overall, you know, our social license needs to be improved a little bit because consumers are really not sure what we're up to and they're not, Mm -hmm. the trust has gone down a little bit. So pulses fits in that all across the board. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about capturing your carbon, if you're talking about reducing your emissions, if you're talking about sustainability, 
um, increased diversity, um, healthy plant proteins to, to um, you know, give to the consumers, addressing climate change, like pulses fit into every single area that we're that we're navigating right now. Mm -hmm. So there's so many reasons to grow pulses. And I know I'm very biased and very passionate about this, but there's just no arguing that pulses fit. And yeah. uh, the uh, the governments and the industries are really starting to notice that. And the protein highway, like that we already mentioned, Stephanie, I mean, pulse fractionation plants are going up all across the prairies. Mm -hmm. Ingredient companies are moving here from Europe up from the States, you know, they want pulses. Mm -hmm. So the opportunities are only going to get bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, we will always have our international markets where we'll send our, you know, our whole crops to, to feed those guys over there. But, you know, fractionation is going to make a, a difference um, on the prairies for sure. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking, you know, peas, everything, peas and, and faba beans mostly. But yeah. they, let's figure out the lupin thing too. And the potentials are huge. Yeah. Are just are just there. So grow yeah. pulse crops. Anybody who's listening, um, <laughs> if you don't grow <laughs> pulse crops, <laughs> um, maybe seriously consider it because our, our canola wheat rotations are just, we can't do that anymore. We mm -hmm. just can't. Mm -hmm. We, can't. we well, have producers in this area that can't grow canola anymore. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine like not being able to grow canola because the genetics um, just hasn't caught up and the disease is so bad mm -hmm. due to intense, intense rotations, yeah. canola every couple of years. So yeah. we just can't do that anymore. And pulses mm -hmm. plays a big role in that. So. No, that's excellent. I'm so glad that you highlighted all those opportunities. Cause I, I think, um, you know, we talk about them and, and people kind of know about them and stir and say, Oh no, this isn't the year. This is, I'm not going to do it yet. I'm not going to do it yet. Here's your sign. Right. And so we're, we're making, making decisions. We're always planning. We're always thinking about what's going to, what's going to happen. And, um, there's some really good, really good potential here with pulses. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And there's lots of, there's lots of information out there. There's lots of us researchers around. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if producers are wanting to grow pulses and they literally just don't know where to start, that's mm -hmm. why we're here. Give us a mm -hmm. call, you know, yeah. and um, we'll help you. Um, and, and your line companies and your agronomists, they can all help you figure out how to get a pulse in a rotation. So, yeah, excellent. Robin, uh, I don't have any other really questions for you, but is there anything else that you'd like to add before we, uh, sign off today? I don't think so. Um, I think we pretty much covered it and, and, uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you to Stephanie and I thank you to the producers, um, and consider pulses in your rotation. And yeah, I'm excited to be with Lakeland. I'm very excited about, um, working with, with the students there and not only being part of the, you know, the, the training of our future agronomists and, mm -hmm. but also, you know, get them involved in research has been pretty exciting. So yeah, it's, it, it's good to be Robin Davidson right now. I'm loving <laughs> what I'm doing and I'm, I'm working with an exciting pulse, uh, you know, with exciting crops and uh, yeah, things are good. So I really so appreciate much. the chance to chat with you, Stephanie. Excellent. Well, it was great chatting with you too, Robin, as always. Uh, where can people find you if they're looking to, uh, you know, ask questions or, or find out more resources about pulses? I am on Twitter and mm -hmm. uh, I'm also on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and I'm not hundred percent sure. I haven't checked to see if you can find me through the Lakeland College website, but you should be able to, <laughs> but um, yeah, Robin.Davidson at lakelandcollege.ca fire me off an email, but uh, yeah, I'm fairly, fairly available. So sometimes awesome. I'm a little, little lack with my Twitter. So just poke me and 
and I'll, I'll respond. <laughs> so, but yeah, my Twitter handle is at, at Pulse Check Alberta. So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Robin, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inputs. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To hear more great research and perspectives from industry experts, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts or catch up on past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.